Welcome to Touch Technology Review today. We have a special guest in the studio. We have Andrew Sill from Sill Marketing here to talk to us about all things technology. In particular, we're going to have a conversation about the de- debate, shall we say, that's popping up recently in relation to the benefits of DSLRs versus mirrorless cameras. And Andrew he's, has brought in a whole bunch of his gear, which we're going to be discussing and uh, reviewing. So welcome, Andrew. Thanks, John. Thanks for coming in. Now, the first thing I wanted to open up with was, of course, that whole debate about which one is better, a DSLR or a mirrorless camera. I'm often asked that very question on the channel. And to me, it's very hard to say that mirrorless is better in any way, but certainly it has its advantages. First of all, it's more compact and lightweight. There's some advantages in there not being a mechanical mirror uh, that gets in the way so it can be faster. But in terms of quality, it uh, it was always thought that you could never get better than a full DSLR camera. What are your thoughts about that now? Well, I think it comes down to what you're shooting, really, because there are pros and cons of everything, as you know. And, um, you know, if you're in a studio kind of environment, your requirements are going to be different to if you're running and gunning. And what I've found with the work that I'm doing, which is more run and gun, I'm looking for something that's going to be adaptable to the to the environment and the unknown environment. So um, definitely what I've experienced is some of the newer mirrorless technology has made that run and gun shooting a bit easier. So uh, managing low light being a critical one for me, but even the size of the device as well. Yes. You know, if you're traveling, mm-hmm. you don't want to be lugging heavy gear. And I think um, that's opened up the door for mirrorless cameras to come in there. But to me, it's 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 more about aligning the technology to what you're trying to achieve, yes. and um, whether it's DSLR or going mirrorless. Well, but it seems like everybody's trying to go mirrorless now. Every every brand is coming out with mirrorless cameras. So well, it's interesting you say that because Canon and uh, Nikon have uh, announced that they are looking at releasing a professional range of mirrorless cameras this year, but haven't done so far. So they're really behind the eight ball there, but there's been a lot of anticipation about these new release mirrorless cameras and whether they're going to be comparable to the Sony, which we don't know yet. Yeah. So that will be interesting to see. And certainly if they do, I'd be very interested because one of the things that's kept me in the ecosystem of the Canon gear is the glass, which... Quite often you make a commitment to lenses and you get accustomed to what they can do, the quality. And that's one of the things that's held me back from jumping over to Sony so far. So what's been your experience with the lens quality in the Sony range? Well, it's funny. I've basically got every brand of camera. So I'm running Nikon, Panasonic, Sony and Canon. Yes. Uh, I started as a Nikon shooter shooting Mm -hmm. stills. Yeah. And so I invested in some really good glass. So every time I bought a new camera, Mm -hmm. um, I would always go to the Nikon lenses and some really nice Nikon lenses that I've got and that I understand and you know yes. how they work etc and so what I've done is starting with the, the Panasonic um, GH4 camera that I bought a, a while ago now is I had a Metabones adapter so that I could use the Nikon lenses yes you lose out on some of the functionality but it can be managed okay manually and with the solar shooting that I was doing with the Panasonic, that was okay. Yeah, that's um, um, so you lost out on the autofocus capabilities. Lost out on autofocus. Yes. Um, all the aperture settings had to be done via a ring on the ad- on the adapter. Right. Um, 
And so it was just a matter of mentally when you got to the shoot, remembering yes. which camera you had and what you had to do. Yeah. So you could actually achieve the same thing. Yeah. But it meant I didn't have to invest in new glass uh, to suit the Panasonic. When I moved into, say, more vlog-style videos, yes. autofocus became critical. Yeah. And so I bought another camera, of course. Yeah. Which, was, which camera a, was a that? Canon. I Canon. bought a Canon yeah. 80D, uh-huh. uh, which has unbelievable autofocus. Yes. It has the flip-out screen, yep. uh, which made it perfect for vlogging. That's why a lot of vloggers would um, use that style of camera. Yes. And I used just the cheap Canon glass. You know, I was looking for wide angle so a 10 to 18 lens yes um and i just got the cheap sort of 300 dollars lens and that's been okay yes uh you know it struggles in in lower light applications but it's all right for vlogging yes uh then moving forward um shifting to sort of a sony a7s mark ii uh, mirrorless camera i had to decide what to do mm. and that was that was a, it was a tough decision and i chose almost a hybrid model i call it so yes. I, re- I wanted to use my, my you know, 70 to 200 f2.8 Nikon lens because it's just a phenomenal lens. Yes. But I also wanted something that could autofocus to that, you know, was less involvement of me having to manually adjust everything in a, you know, a really run and gun kind of environment. So I ended up buying the 35mm Sony lens. So I bought one Sony lens that could cover me for interview style shoots yes. uh, with autofocus and then have an, I bought an adapter to you know handle zoom um and a few other lenses that i've got the nikon 50 mil you know f 1.4 i think it is that i've got so that's the good thing nowadays is there are adapters around for all these different cameras enabling to use the different glass the different brands of glass that you've got and they're actually improving there's a lot more integration happening Mm. it does cost a little bit more to get ones that that sort of integrate and i suppose Canon's the easiest to integrate with most. Yes. Uh, yes, Nikon, I can find the answers, but every time I'm researching, Canon is always Canon stuff. So um, I think Canon glasses recognize as being really good. Yeah. The Sony glass isn't bad. Mm. It's just really expensive for what it is. And their yes. range isn't there at the moment. I think they still need to do a bit more work on, on that range. And you obviously haven't made the decision to get rid of the Nikon glass because you've become accustomed to it and like it so yeah. much, you can't quite part with it at this stage. So... That's where you've adopted the uh, approach of trying to make it fit on these new cameras. Yeah, and I love Nikon for stills. It's just something yes. about no matter which camera I pick so up. So you still have your Nikon camera yeah, as well. Yeah, D750 right. that I'm yes. using, which has video capabilities, and I've tried it, but mm. um, I use that camera purely for still photography. Yes. And it, I invested in some good glass. I want to maximize that investment. And it's actually, it, it works okay. It's um, yes. The 70-200 f2.8 Nikon lens is just phenomenal. Yeah, it's, it's a by far lens. and away the best lens that I've got. Yep. And when I've adapted it to the Panasonic or the Sony, mm. it's still great. So yeah. there's no reason to replace that just because I've, I've got a different brand. And generally when I'm using a 70-200, for example, I'm shooting it manually anyway and manually focusing. So... So what type of shoot would you be using it for? Like, say you've put your 70 to 200 on the Sony. Would that be like an interview face-to-camera type shot? No, it's more um, some more action kind of stuff. Uh, So um, I do a lot of work with sort of model aircraft. Oh, yeah. Uh, And if I'm at a flying field shooting a drone or something like that, then, and I need to zoom in, uh, it's it's perfect. Because sometimes in those action situations, it's very hard with any video camera to pick up the action yes um so it's handheld and 
and I'm just it's almost like b-roll kind of stuff that yeah I'm shooting. and so I, I can use it for that so and that'll be manual focus mode as well manual focus yeah. so uh, you're setting up the scene you, you're getting your focus in advance knowing where the action is going to happen and just waiting for it to it's hard because it's hit and miss a bit yeah, sometimes yeah. Um, but you know the Panasonic's been really good mm. um, it's hard to tell you know what it's like when you're looking through a tiny monitor at the back whether you're in focus or not yes but more often than not um, it's actually not that bad um, yes just your aperture settings up a bit to give you a bit of leeway but um no it's been okay so i've noticed you've got the nikon glass on that panasonic right now do you also have a panasonic lens or you're just no. using oh right I actually so you just well, bought the body the story of this gh4 was um there's a bit of a backstory i was using a, a sony hxr nx5 so a big dedicated video camera that i bought in about 2010 and what i wanted to do was sort of change to a different look that that camera couldn't provide a more modern look and so this was the first sort of foray into a sort of a mirrorless camera or micro two-thirds camera and there were a lot of rave reviews around the gh4 and so i ended up buying it second hand i got a great deal came with a good metabones adapter and i put the nikon glass on it i tossed up whether to purchase a panasonic lens to get that autofocus yeah. capability mm-hmm. because Things such as the flip-out lens, you know, when you're vlogging, yeah, is a great thing to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I ended up buying another camera instead. Yeah. <laughs> so as we end up doing, but I still find this Panasonic. Yeah, it's not the latest version, but uh, it, it, I'm using a lot for events. Yeah, I'm setting up on a tripod, pointing at a stage, and shooting, you know, an hour presentation because. The battery life is phenomenal on this camera. So how many hours do you get out of it? Oh, I haven't tested exactly right. how many hours, a few but hours. I'll shoot a whole day and oh, really? I'll still be on one battery. On one single battery. If I did battery. a, um, you know, if I do a 40 minute shoot, it's still got half the battery left kind of thing that's continuous shooting. So that fulfills a specific purpose. So I can't yeah. get rid of that. Put a cage on it so that I can mount uh, a few other uh, options as well. Um, so I bought that um, separately. Sometimes I use an external monitor um to yep. for focusing yep. primarily mm-hmm. not really for color because i always struggle in trying to match the colors but yes. for focusing so that's been a, a good little camera but i had to i had to upgrade yeah i had to upgrade for just one very simple reason low light yeah so low light when we talk about low light there's a number of factors there and obviously the sony wins out because it's got a full frame sensor so the um, the GH4 being a micro four thirds, can you see the difference in still photos or video apart from low light situations? Do you see a difference in quality at all? Yeah, I do. Yep. Uh, look, the Sony this Sony A7S Mark II is phenomenal. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. It's very sharp. So it's mm. the sharpness of the image. It's very yes. different to the Panasonic. Mm-hmm. Panasonic's probably a bit, a bit softer. Yes. Yes, you can bump the ISO up and still maintain some quality mm. in, in low light situations, but it's it's not just that. It's just the sharpness of the image yes. um, that you can get out of the Sony. And again, you know, there are these trends in the look of, of your video and um, you know, if you want that sharp look, yeah. then yeah. the Sony A7S is just, it's, it's a phenomenal camera. But in saying that, mm. this could be even better. Yeah, like, sure. Like if Canon are going to come out with a mirrorless camera and they want to dominate, yeah. it's very, very simple what they need to do. What do you think is uh, missing? Okay, flip-out screen. Yes. As soon as you get a flip-out yeah. screen, you know, a lot of us are shooting ourselves on camera. Yeah. Right? And so when you've got that flip-out screen, it just makes everything easier. Yeah. But even, even as something as simple as being able to 
flip out the screen, rotate it to close it for, for carrying purposes so you don't damage the screen. Something as simple as that, that can be advantageous. And you know what else? Also, sometimes you're framing a shot and you're in front of the camera. You know what I mean? So you could be doing exactly. a landscape shot and you could be setting something up and you want to see from that a different perspective. So having a flip out screen is not just for selfie type videos yep. or photography. It can be used to be able to monitor your shot, monitor your shot from different angles. That's exactly right. Like, and that's what I love about the ADD does it. Yes. The Panasonic GH4, GH5 do it. And they're touch enabled as well, which adds another level of flexibility. And so, so Sony's really got to bring uh, flip out screen in the next models. Look, in their, in their yeah. models, they've got some sort of articulation, the screen, yeah. but it's yeah. not flip out. Yeah. If it's a flip out and touch enabled, yes. then straight away, you know, if you can buy a camera like a Sony A7S Mark II, low light beast yeah, with a flip with out the, screen and good autofocus, that's yeah. the other thing it needs. The Canon still, I think, wins in that mm -hmm. on that um, front. But good autofocus, flip out screen, every vlogger is going to move to the Sony because yeah. of the low light capabilities. Yeah. But if Canon come out with their camera that rivals the Sony with the flip out yeah, screen, they have it all. touch screen, good autofocus, yeah. everyone's going to move to the Canon. Yeah. In relation to that flip out screen, you've got another Sony sitting there. What's that camera we have? Okay, so yeah. I don't know why I bought this camera, but anyway, yeah. I, 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 I like I to talk know. about it. Yeah. I do know. Well, so yeah. so with a lot of the run and gunning shooting that I'm doing, and I'm doing a, a lot of vlog components to my shooting, uh, I've always been aiming to try and reduce the footprint of what I'm um, carrying. So if, especially if I'm traveling interstate or internationally, I want to carry less gear. Yeah. And the good thing nowadays is everything's getting more compact and the quality is getting better. So my latest attempt to reduce my footprint yeah. was buying this little Sony RX100 Mark V. Yes. Now, it's not the latest. It's a Mark VI. And I heard it, literally heard today that there's a sort of like a Mark V-A version, uh, which has got some added functionality, but this suited my needs. So the advantage of this is that it's got the flip out yes. selfie screen mm -hmm. so the aim for me and the purpose of this camera is predominantly a traveling um, vlogging camera that can fit in my pocket now the other idea of that is because it's so small i'm probably more likely to use it in that vlog environment uh and with the self with the with the pop out screen it makes it perfect the stills aren't actually bad it's actually a really good camera yeah and it's got f1.8 f glass on it yeah so i'm getting good down to some better yeah. i'm getting lower light capability mm. as well out of this yeah and it will shoot 4k as well yeah so now i match my sony a7s mark ii for say b-roll uh the rx100 um for for the vlog style so this is now you know blurring the lines a little bit that I'm actually going to I'm going to China later this year and I'm going to try to shoot everything on the RX100 and see how it goes. So you're just bringing that camera or you I just well yeah. I'm going to take the Nikon stills because I need to take some still photography yeah. whilst I'm there and I'm thinking but everything video everything video yeah, is going to be on this. Absolutely. Because I think I can get away with it uh, yeah. for for what I'm shooting. So yeah. it's yes to point and shoot um I've played around using iPhones, which have been pretty good actually, um, as long as the light's okay. Yes. So this is really my attempt to improve, go one step up from mobile phone footage, uh, handle a bit, a bit of low light, still compact, shoot 4K internally, and flip out screen. Yeah. It's important. And a lot of what you're saying is consistent with the philosophy that the best camera that you have is the one that you have with you. So a lot of people focus on specs alone mm. and they're not thinking about simple things like ergonomics, uh, convenience. Uh, there's a lot of different factors to do with getting the right shot at the right time. And I think when you're traveling, 
having a camera that's lightweight can help you get a better shot and the other thing about small compact cameras and i found that using my olympus omd is that it's less conspicuous when you're shooting street photography Mm. when you're out and about when you go out with your big canon camera with a, a zoom lens like that everyone's looking at you and asking questions yeah a little camera like that people are just going to think hey he's just uh, taking a few snaps there's nothing to it a tourist yeah. and you get away with a lot more so there's advantages to having something that's smaller and inconspicuous when you're traveling definitely and for me that that um lightweight kit has been something that i'm chasing because yeah. my back can't handle carrying heavy gear anymore and yeah. thankfully we, everything is getting smaller yeah. and quality is improving so you know, I, when I bought the A7S Mark II, I had to decide I had the lens dilemma. And what am I going yeah. to do? And I looked at a couple of different lenses, um, you know, Rockinon lenses uh, to put onto the um, onto the Sony. And what I found is I just kept on coming back to I needed something that was small, something that was compact. And that's why I bought the 35mm Sony because the 35mm Sony yeah. is like, that's tiny and it's, and it's a lightweight sort of lens. The Rockinon is a beautiful lens. Yeah. It, it provides a really nice image, yep. but 35 mil equivalents hang out mm. further. So that's more space that I need yes. to take up in a bag. Yep. And now you know, when I'm traveling, it's not just camera gear. I'm taking a drone with me just in case I need that. There's gorilla pods or tripods or monopods. And so it, it all starts to add up. And then spare, even spare batteries, yeah. which is a downfall of this. Yeah, the, the battery older, life's not, not quite as good as... Uh, Canon and Nikon yeah, it just batteries. Choose yeah. it up. The Canon yeah. is awesome. Yeah. The Panasonic is awesome. Yeah. But it could be a consequence of the style of camera. The battery's not that big. But really you just have to factor that in and carry around a few batteries. Yeah. It's just an extra cost you've got to deal with there. And uh, you know, looking at the three cameras you've got lined up there now, what's interesting about it is Sony is somewhere in the middle. Like if you look at the compact camera through the GH4 if we stack it up against a full DSLR camera, mm. it's about the right size. I think they've got it right for that reason as well. They've, yeah. got, they've got a camera that's pretty lightweight, compact, but yet is big enough to feel like you've got a decent camera and it's gonna have the right specs to deliver the job and it's got a nice look about it as well. That's yeah. something about the Sony, they've really nailed it in terms of the form factor completely, haven't they? It is, I do like it. Yeah. Um, Okay, pros and cons of everything. Yep. Sometimes I find if a camera is really small, if I'm doing B-roll and um, you know trying to sort of manually pan without it you know, on a head, yeah. it's hard sometimes. Yep. You need a bit of weight. What I do yep. with the Sony, because the other advantage of the A7S and the RX100 Mark V is the slow motion footage capabilities, shooting at you know 120 frames or 100 frames if you're shooting um, PAL. And it, when you it's because you're slowing everything down you yes. don't see the motion blur yeah. or anything so the shakiness so you can get away with it but um it's funny the rx100 when you're holding it in like selfie mode is really good it's really stable um most of the time from shooting vlog stuff i'm putting it on a gorilla pod yeah. uh, to get a bit distance away mm. from me uh which is a, another technique in itself for another yeah. day but yeah. uh but um you know it's just I do like things to be a little bit smaller. Just there is that 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 convenience. Even when it comes down to travelling and using lighter weight tripods. That when I had my big Sony dedicated video camera, I had this you know mega expensive rock solid tripod that was needed to hold it up. And yep. it's an unbelievable tripod, but, but to travel with, to travel it with yeah. is a nightmare. Yep. So now I'm actually getting um, like travel tripods that I can put in a suitcase 
And then when I arrive, I pull out a suitcase yeah. and carry around with me, clip it to a bag or something like that. And that's all that's needed with these smaller cameras. And also, I think, you know, we used to do shoots and, you know, turn up with the big camera and people were really impressed and thought that we were pro because we had the big yeah. camera. Yeah. I think that stigma is changing as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't need to have the show pony effect of having the big camera. Yeah. I do like some of the big cameras mm-hmm. that are out there, but again, it comes back to how you, you know what you're shooting. Yeah, well, there still is an element of that. Your clients, if they're paying you good money for a job, are going to want to see a lot of equipment to so somehow they can justify the expense and feel yeah. like they're getting something that's superior. And there's a lot of DIY stuff going on now, people yeah. in the office shooting their own videos. So if you rock up with some really impressive looking gear that happens to be larger and just commands a lot of respect by you know, virtue of the way it looks, that's yeah. certainly relevant to us as video creators, but practicality is more important than that. If we want to wow people, we can turn up with our sliders, our oh, absolutely. gimbals, yeah. our yeah. big massive drones, there's so many yeah. ways. Big lighting rig. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, there's so many things we can take to a shoot yeah. to, to, if you want to impress people. Yeah. Um, but it's, you've got to carry it. That's the problem. That's the problem. So you're carrying yeah. stuff around. Yeah, no, here, totally. The other thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, we, we touched upon it briefly before, was the necessity for 4K video uh, in this environment. And obviously the Sony that you have shoots in 4K. Now, one of the things that prevented me from upgrading to the latest version of the Canon, the 5D Mark IV, was the fact that even though it shot 4K, it has a crop factor. So as soon as you go into 4K mode, it zooms in and uh, you're essentially not using the full capacity of the full frame sensor. So in some respects, you have a diminished quality. And the other really annoying thing about that is you don't get to use the full extent of your lens. So I like to shoot a lot of my scenes wide angle. And one of the benefits of full frame is that you get the full 16 mil effect, which is the way it always used to be. It doesn't become you know, a, a 35 mil lens. It's true wide angle. So how have you found uh, shooting in 4K on the Sony specifically in relation to that? Yeah, it's been good. Um, and you know, primarily I do shoot just full HD settings. Um, yes. But 4K is, for me, it, it's all about giving you flexibility in the edit. So when I'm shooting 4K and I'm doing an interview, I get a couple of different angles from the one you sort of... You can zoom into yeah, it. Yeah, I can zoom in. into it. Yeah. Because what I'm finding is most of my work's ending up on YouTube. Um, not many people are streaming it. You know, if you're in Australia and you've got slow internet connection, you're not going to yeah. be downloading 4K file. And, 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 and if you're watching the small window, it doesn't make a lot of a difference. Um, and also, if you're transferring files to customers that want to use that video for their, you know, their commercial work, it's a bit challenging. And even processing power with computers and stuff like that. So most of what I'm doing is um, is yeah, shooting 4K for the edit so that I can zoom in, zoom out. And what I'm finding is nowadays, if you're making a choice with a camera, 4K is going to be important. It's something that's not going to go away. You know, we're already moving into 5K spaces and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So you're not going to go and buy a camera that only does full HD anymore. Yeah. So having it's all about that flexibility, having Just that option. Just knowing you've got it if you need it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm getting a few jobs that are being um, spec'd as 4K, like they require 4K footage more and more than before. Whereas a few years ago, it was very rare a client would actually ask, oh, can you shoot it in yeah. 4K? So it is really becoming uh, imperative that you at least have the option available mm. should you need to shoot it. Although having a 4K camera myself, I tend to 
always shooting 4K because I can. Mm. But the downside, like you say, is a workflow later on. You've then got these massive files to plow mm. through. And not only do, only do they take up more space in your computer, but they're harder to work with in the timeline. So mm. my latest MacBook Pro handles it quite well, but you know, scrubbing 4K on the timeline, yeah. like tons of layers, Everything really becomes slows difficult. Down. It slows it down. I find that you know when you, you watch reviews on YouTube and they say, oh yeah, the computer was great with 4K footage. It's just like a throwaway line. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. But it's... Yeah. You know, it you've either got to adjust your workflow to deal with it, or make sure you've got a supercomputer that can handle it. And so there's these added costs. Yeah, in I had to gear just to handle absolutely, it. I had to literally update my MacBook Pro so that I could shoot, so yeah. that I could edit in 4K because it wasn't yeah. actually doable at all with the 2011 model I had before. So no, I hope in hell. But obviously, I'm, I'm running. Um, I'm doing most of my editing on an iMac, and it's probably a couple of years old. Yeah. Um, upgraded the RAM in it when I bought it, so it was a bit gruntier for video editing. But that will struggle even with the 4K yeah. footage. Yeah. Look, if you're patient, it's fine. Mm. But um, uh, you know, when I, if I'm travelling and I'm editing, I actually use a MacBook Air. And really, actually, and you can get away yeah, with that. Yeah, it's great. Not 4K. Yeah. But you know, shooting full HD, I've you know, I was in the US earlier in the year, shot eight videos in eight days, like vlogs. Yeah. Daily vlogs, and um, which is tough tough going yeah but um i did the whole thing on a, on a uh MacBook yeah. Air, what software were you using premiere premiere right yeah. not and even final was, cut it was great wow that's amazing absolutely great you get used to the screen size yeah but yeah getting back to the 4k thing i'm not going to even attempt you wouldn't, just, you wouldn't go there yeah. and especially if you're working to a strict deadline you've got to wait yeah. for this footage to muck around it's just yeah yeah but nonetheless we know 4k is here now and like i mentioned before clients are starting to request it People have 4K TVs now. It is really the next paradigm, and it's we have future. to move towards it. And like you said, even 5K and 8K. So there's you know yeah. red cameras you could consider and go all the way to the top there, and it's probably going to just keep increasing. Imagine if red came out with a mirrorless style camera. Well, it's funny that you should say that because red actually came out with the hydrogen mobile phone about six months ago so clearly they're experimenting with some different options for consumers prosumers perhaps and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if a mirrorless camera was in the making and certainly if it was i'll be one of the first to line up to try and get my hands on one of those thanks for coming in silly really appreciate your time if you've got any questions for us about the content we've discussed today feel free to put those questions in the comments box below. If you've got any suggestions for up and coming videos, any topics you'd like to have covered, also feel free to share those and we'll see if we can bring them to you in an up and coming video. We'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.